It was a first for Formula One, but a familiar outcome as Lewis Hamilton won the first ever running of the Qatar Grand Prix. A lights out to checkered flag run for Hamilton, who was never challenged on his way to his second straight victory, and also cutting the world championship lead of Max Verstappen to just eight points heading to Saudi Arabia. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Dezier. We're going to go over the Qatar Grand Prix, tell you how all the teams did, give you our analysis of what we thought of this inaugural running at the LaSalle International Circuit. But first, if you've been following this podcast and you like what we're doing, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Again, help us grow this podcast. Also, thank you for listening in week in and week out as we go through the Formula One season. You can also hit us up on Twitter at the F1 Overtake Pod. You can also find us on Facebook at the Overtake F1 Podcast. Love to meet you there. You can have some comments on some of the issues going on in Formula One. All right, the Qatar Grand Prix, a first for the series. It was run on the LaSalle International Circuit, which quite an unknown entity since it had never hosted a Formula One race before. You know, commentators had sort of speculated if overtaking would be difficult or if it would be doable. I don't know if anybody actually said it would be easy, but nevertheless, that was sort of a a thought process going into this Grand Prix. And we weren't really sure of setup and how the tire degradation would be. Um, Also, whether or not a two-stop strategy would be the right strategy. Could a one-stop work? So all of this was on the table heading into the weekend. But the drama of this race really occurred during qualifying when Max Verstappen was summoned to the stewards along with Valtteri Bottas for not slowing down during yellow flags that were being waved when Pierre Gasly got a puncture on the final run in Q3. For Verstappen, this would be a five-grid place penalty because it was a double yellow flag for him. He helped his lap time, didn't appear to be slowing down. Botas received a three-spot penalty. He didn't slow down, but that was during a single yellow flag. Now, this is pretty straightforward here. When you see yellows, you have to slow down. That's pretty much standard in all of racing. There was nothing really to debate about. I know there was some conflict on video, whether or not Verstappen could see the double yellow or whatnot, but it was pretty clear that this was a straightforward penalty for both of these guys. So Verstappen went from P2 on the grid right behind Lewis Hamilton to P7, and Botas dropping the three spots, he went down to P6. So you had Hamilton on pole position and we were kind of denied whether Max Verstappen could get a jump on Lewis and maybe hold on to a lead with cleaner air. It's, I mean, all the same questions that we have whenever those two are on the pole position. So we were kind of denied that, but nevertheless, the front of the grid looked like this. You had Hamilton on pole, Pierre Gasly moves up to P2 and then Fernando Alonso was at P3. Sergio Garcia did not make it out of Q3. He started P11. Now, at the start of the race, Verstappen got a really, really good start. And before you know it, he was in P4 with only Gasly and Alonso in front of him to get to Hamilton. He was able to go right to the inside of from the outside start on the grid and then was able to kind of hug that inside line on that opening corner. He made several overtakes up there. He got up three positions. By lap three, he had radioed back to the team that he was stuck, which was probably translated to, please get Gasly out of my way, all right? But he was able to pass him with ease with DRS down the front stretch, which, by the way, was the only DRS zone on the circuit. Gasly helped matters. He went a little bit wide going into the straight, but nevertheless, he was passed. Verstappen got to Alonso one lap later. So in a span of five laps, Max went from P7 to P2 and chasing Lewis Hamilton, and chase he would do, but not really successfully. He came in on lap 18, which seemed a bit early on the medium tires, then he changed to the hard tires. 
but by that time, both Hamilton and Verstappen had such a huge lead on the rest of the field. In fact, Max didn't even lose any places when he went in for tires. He beat Alonso out to keep his position in P2. Hamilton, responding to Red Bull, came in a lap later. He also went to the hard tires. Now, as far as the leaders went, this was not really an exciting race battle. Hamilton kept increasing that lead. There was nobody behind them to make it interesting. I mean, they, those two were separating themselves from the rest of the field. Hamilton would go on to win the race. Max would take P2. He also got the fastest lap. So his championship lead was decreased by six points. So now Max has an eight-point lead as they head to Saudi Arabia. But the real moment in this Grand Prix was watching Fernando Alonso run in P3 and also his fight to hold on to that position. I think that's what really captivated some people here. Sergio Perez was charging up through the field. Alonso had told the team to tell his teammate Esteban Ocon to defend like a lion, but that didn't really work out. Perez was able to get past Ocon within a lap or so after we kind of saw that message. I'll give credit to Ocon. He did try to get that lap back, but Perez was on fresher tires and the Red Bull was just too strong. Alonso did use a one-stop strategy for the race, and the key for him to get that podium, his first since 2014, was that he did not go in for that second set of tires when Lando Norris came in after a small puncture and George Russell had a puncture late in the race. I mean, he was able to hold on to that second set of tires when others were starting to see that second set failed later on in the race. But he was really helped by the virtual safety car that came out when Nicholas Latifi, who also suffered a puncture went off the track and couldn't get around to the pit area. So once the VSC came out, that slowed everything else. It sort of prevented Perez from gaining more ground in the latter part of the race. Now, would Perez have caught Fernando Alonso? I have no idea. I, I don't know. Alonso defends really well, as we saw in Hungary this year. But nevertheless, he certainly was helped by the virtual safety car. So overall, how was the Qatar Grand Prix? Well, I, I thought the race itself was rather boring in terms of the leaders. I mean, really, I mean, there was nothing there. Hamilton won wire to wire and Max didn't even give him a challenge, really couldn't right off the bat because of the grid penalty he suffered in qualifying. I did think some of the elements outside the leaders were rather interesting. Overtaking was not as hard as some had predicted it would be. The drivers seemed to really like the track a lot. Many said it was a really fun drive. And by the way, I can't really complain about this circuit not giving us a, a battle for the leaders. There are plenty of circuits that I like where one or you know one driver pulls away from the other driver and shows a little bit more dominant. So I can't really complain that Qatar didn't give us the championship fight that we wanted to see because there are other circuits that I do like that don't give us a Hamilton Verstappen battle. But I think that the seeing Fernando Alonso on the podium was absolutely fantastic. I think this was a good moment for the world of Formula One. He's having a great season for Alpine. So this didn't really come out of nowhere. And I'm really happy that all of his hard work this season and all of the results that he has had and all the good drives that he has had really paid up for him late, late in this season. All right, so let's go through the teams and give you a report card on how they did in the weekend uh, outside Doha. And we'll start with Mercedes. It was a win by Hamilton, but of course, the big story for the team is the championship fight with Max Verstappen, right? Heading in, it was a 14 point lead for Max. And 
had he won there and Hamilton even finishing P2 with the fastest lap, it, it likely would have been game over for the championship with two races remaining. I mean, Max would have extended the lead to probably 20, 21 points. Instead, now it's an eight point lead for Verstappen with two races remaining with all of the focus now on Saudi Arabia. Hamilton drove an extremely clean race, led from the start, no challengers, had never really allowed a mistake to cause him any issues. But as for Valtteri Bottas, it was a really, really tough day for him. Started P6, ended up on the dirty side of the grid, couldn't get any grip. He even said he couldn't really get any heat into his tires during the formation lap. He dropped all the way down to P11. You heard Toto on the radio at some point, go get these cars. He worked his way up to P4. Um, then there was a tire puncture and he went off the track and then he went around the track on three tires, really suffered some damage and the team later decided that they were just going to retire the car. Um, as for Red Bull, I would say this was an outstanding day for them when you really look through the lens of minimizing damage, and that's pretty much the only lens that you could view their day on. They gained points on Mercedes and the constructors because the DNF to Botas, and you couple that with the finish of Sergio Perez, so they were able to get points in the constructors, and again, Verstappen, if you're not going to win the race, what's the minimum number of points that you can lose to a guy who wins the race? And that would be six. You finishing P2 and you taking the fastest lap. And that's exactly what Max did. So if you don't have the pace of Mercedes at the track, then the best you can do is exactly what Max Verstappen did on Sunday at Qatar. So again, if you're Christian Horner, this is a good result. This is not only a good result, I'd say it's even better than good. I wouldn't say it was great, but it, but again, it was it was better than good. Um, you you minimize the damage on the championship race, and you then you gain points on Mercedes and the constructors. Verstappen. As good of a race you can run finishing P2. Again, didn't make a mistake. Great start off the off the grid. Used that inside line perfectly. Made the overtakes. Made the two passes in the two laps that he needed to do. Actually, it was two passes in one lap, if you think. He, he made the first pass on the front stretch, came around on the front stretch, made another pass to get to P2. Um, didn't hurt himself in the pit area at all, right? You know, managed the tires great. Uh, Perez, he finished P4 and was making a decent run on Alonso, as he mentioned before, before the virtual safety car came out, really hurt his chances at possibly getting a podium. But but I don't know. I'm not I'm not in the camp that Perez could have caught and passed uh, Fernando Alonso in that race. I think Alonso would have defended so well that he would have been able to hold off Sergio Perez. But eh, we'll never know. Alpine. Now, what a wonderful day it was for them. Alonzo, a P3 driver of the day. Just a great moment for him and the team. I think most fans really enjoyed seeing that, right? Uh, Ocon had a P5 after making some moves at the start of the race. His defensive Perez was pretty admirable, I guess, since Perez had fresher tires. But the real hardware for this team, I mean, outside of the, of the podium finish, which again, just fantastic was the fact that they gained 25 points on AlphaTauri in their constructors battle for P5. That really set them up nicely going into the final two races of the year. Ocon said that the day was like a win for the team. I would kind of agree with that. It was a really, really good day for Alpine and a really great day for Fernando Alonso. As far as Ferrari goes, it's another race and another top 10 for both drivers. We've kind of been seeing this consistently over the past couple of Grand Prix lately. Charles Leclerc finishing P8 after not getting into Q3 on Saturday. Carlos Sainz finishing P7. Both finished on a one-stop strategy. We're able to take advantage of teams that had to go for the two stoppers. They were able to increase their lead over McLaren for P3 in the constructors race. 
The team really didn't make a push towards the best of the rest front, given their tire strategy. But again, it's good enough for points on a tough day for McLaren. As for McLaren, the team only got a points race from Lando Norris, who was really strong through most of the race. He was even looking to challenge Alonso up front. However, he kind of got a small puncture. The team started to notice that, brought him in for a tire change. They only finished P9 on the night. That was very disappointing for sure. Now, as far as Daniel Ricciardo, not a really good weekend for him. He finished P12. He said afterwards it was a fuel issue that caused him to have, need to save some the team and him even Andreas Seidel didn't really know exactly what was going on they'll say they'll look into that but he didn't really start well either I mean he had a tough qualifying on Saturday started P14 on the grid as for AlphaTauri with the points haul that Alpine got AlphaTauri didn't answer in their P5 constructors battle Gasly started P2 but finished P11 he was on a two-stop strategy after determining that his car really didn't have the pace for the front of the field. He said he didn't have anything to challenge Alonso with. The second stop really hurt him. He went back and didn't finish in the points. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda started in the top 10 as well. He finished P13, same two-stop strategy as Gasly, both drivers outside of the points. Again, that second stop really hurt both of them. Alpine picking up 25 points to break their tie that was coming into Qatar for that position in the constructor's standings. Out. Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel getting the final point of the race, finishing P10. He had fallen back to P17 after a tough start to the race, but worked his way through the field. He used a one-stop strategy, made that work, said the car was pretty quick. They could have done better if not for a poor start that got him caught up in some traffic. Lance Stroll finished P6. Great race for him. And like Vettel, praised the car's performance. He said he was able to get a great start off of the grid, and then later on, he successfully undercut Carlos Sainz to secure that sixth place and hold on to that for the finish of the race. So it ended up being a double points for Aston Martin. Alfa Romeo, now we're getting into the backmarker teams. The, both Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi finishing outside the points. Both drivers used a two-stop strategy. Kimi, Kimi finishing P14, Giovinazzi finishing P15. Uh, once again, the team was saying it was probably the best they could do given the weekend. Williams, George Russell suffered a puncture on his tire trying to make the final stint last as long as he could. He ended up P17. His puncture came at the end or near the end that ended really any hopes of a decent finish. Nicholas Latifi also suffered a late puncture. He could not get back to the pits, so that brought out the virtual safety car. And because the virtual safety car came out, that was likely to help Fernando Alonso get a podium. And since most people like that, I guess we thank Nicholas Latifi for that one. All right, congrats. thank you. Um, Haas, Mick Schumacher finished P16. Nikita Mazepin finished P18. I got nothing else for both of those drivers. All right, so as I mentioned earlier, the championship lead for Max Verstappen is now just eight points as they head to the street circuit in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia, another first-time track. Another track that reports are is really struggling to be completed on time. I really hope they do, with two races remaining. And then, of course, the season finale in uh, Abu Dhabi to close out the year. And what a points battle it has been, what a championship battle it has been. You've heard me talk about this all season long if you've been following this podcast. I think everybody's sort of saying that on every podcast. 
because it, it has been a, a real treat to see these drivers. And I'm glad it's going to come to the, come to an end. I am hoping that nothing happens in Saudi Arabia that causes this championship to be decided there. Um, I'd like to see it go to Abu Dhabi. I think many of you probably like to see it go to Abu Dhabi, unless you're a Verstappen fan, then you probably just want to get it over with as quickly as possible. I don't blame you for that, right? Just get it done. Uh, clinch it as soon as you can, maybe a disastrous day for, for Hamilton and a win for Verstappen puts the championship out of reach when they go to Abu Dhabi, who knows, but it has really been a great fight. But what I'm seeing in the last few races is this sort of resurgence of Lewis Hamilton, right? Remember how defeatist he sounded many times during the, during the season, you know, Oh yeah. Red Bull's too strong. And I don't know if we can catch him and I don't know what's going on. You know, there's a little gamesmanship there. Of course there is. I think Hamilton was just sort of setting a stage, maybe playing with the media a little bit knowing that in the back pocket, they have something for some races coming up. But when you go back to Mexico city and how Red Bull was dominant and the feeling of going to Brazil, you know, if Red Bull were to win there, what would the final three races look like, especially with two tracks that are unknown? We now have a different perspective of this championship fight than we did coming out of Mexico city, the part one of this triple header. And I think for many of us, again, I don't have a rooting interest here, but I know, and I know some of you do, but I think there's a different feeling into the way you feel about the championship coming out of that race. And now at the conclusion of this triple header, because of the back-to-back -back wins by Hamilton has sort of shrunk this down. I still think eight points is enough to play with for Red Bull here. I don't think they have to win at Saudi Arabia. I think they, again, they could have a two point lead heading into Abu Dhabi and then go, go for the win and go for beating Lewis Hamilton at that circuit. Now, Abu Dhabi is kind of known to be a Mercedes track, even though Max Verstappen dominated last year. But remember, Lewis was coming off COVID. He had already had the championship wrapped up. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what both teams bring to that circuit at the end of the season. Uh, if we do and get to that part where there's just a two-point lead or a three-point lead of wherever it may be heading into the final race of the season. I do think the war of words between the teams are really escalating and that's adding an element to it. Uh, some people don't really like it. I do like it. I mean, I like it in other sports. I don't mind the competitive nature of Toto Wolf and Christian Horner coming out. I know Horner was getting in some trouble based on what he said about the marshals apologized for it, but that's just the heat of the competition. I don't have any problem with these two teams kind of going at each other. I think some of it is petty. There's no doubt about it, but some of it is a little protective. I mean, you heard Toto Wolf talk about tribe, protecting his tribe, etc. There is a protective nature of it, especially when you're in a sport where you can appeal to rulings. You can go to a, a, a third group and say, look, we felt like we were wronged here and, and we need this clarified. That certainly happened at the beginning with the right of review for what happened on turn 48 in Brazil that was just denied. Um, but at least Mercedes was pursuing something. I think that there's an element there that gets bogged down with people where they just get tired of sort of these things being figured out. That was kind of my biggest concern with this right of review issue, because if they indeed found Max Verstappen had driven Hamilton off the road in Brazil at lap 48, then it would have been a five-second penalty. The championship lead going into Qatar would have been 11. If the result had stayed the same, now we're talking about a five-point lead heading into Saudi Arabia rather than an eight. These points are really, really valuable. And you don't want to look back on the season and say, wow, it came down to just two points. And those two points were found here, not on the racetrack, but in this room where officials were reviewing video. Like I just, you just don't like that. 
I think in other sports, we don't really want that. I don't think we want Super Bowl to be decided by an instant replay ruling. I don't think we want um, a Major League Baseball, a slide at the plate to be an instant replay ruling. There's a sense of sports justice for sure. But I just think for th- from for the sport, we don't want to see it decided in those particular ways. And I'm kind of glad that we didn't we're not going to have this championship decided in that particular way. What we could have decided in terms of the championship, if it comes down to a handful of points, is that when we look back on 2021, what we could be talking about is the influence of the sprint races and how they determine the championship, not just from the standpoint of points, but also the way they set up certain circumstances in the Grand Prix, right? Remember Silverstone, for example, remember how that sprint race went and how Hamilton knew that if Max could get off of cop's corner with the lead, he was not going to be caught. And that's one of the reasons he was so aggressive going into cop's corner on in the Grand Prix, because he had saw what would happen during the sprint race. And when you look at what happened in the sprint race in Brazil and Hamilton charging up through the field and Verstappen staying in P2 and not being able to get to Valtteri Botas up front. And then Hamilton was able to make up ground during a sprint race rather than make up ground during a Grand Prix, which may or may not have been different because he had gotten that penalty that put him in the back of the field, but for the sprint race, not for the Grand Prix. So could the sprint races that have been so hotly debated influence where we're going with this championship? I think we will have that in 2021. When we look back, we'll be talking about how the sprint races in those two in particular, not so much maybe Monza, but those two in particular really helped shape the way we see and, and got the picture of the, of the way the championship laid out. All right, we're going to take a break for this weekend. And then we got to come back next week with a preview of Saudi Arabia racing on the street circuit at Jeddah. And then we'll give it a review of that race before before we head into the season finale. Once again, subscribe to the channel. Once again, leave us a five-star review. Really helps us grow. We've been doing this all season long. I really am really excited to where, where this is heading. Thanks to all of you around the world who've been listening to a good old American like me talking Formula One racing. Also, like us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. You can participate in some conversations there. And also on Twitter at F1 Overtake Pod. And you can also hit me up personally at Tony D Radio. All right, we'll be back next week for a preview of Saudi Arabia. Thanks for joining us. This is the Overtake F1 Podcast.